as a testimony, uh, something we've been praying for and agreeing for as a house. Uh, this is a testimony of God's goodness in the earth. Uh, Dave St. Germain, I put him on the prayer list for an emergency. It, he's the son of one of our uh, salesmen, my sales manager, and he's a rough cut man. But he, he, you know, God loves him. He, he's had triple bypass. Well, he was dr driving, driving cars for us, came back, goes downstairs, and then comes back stairs and goes right down. All right? His heart stopped. Blue comes all over his face. I've seen that before. It's when people are dying and dead. Okay? I started praying in tongues. Lay hands on him. Just praying in the name of Jesus. Jesus, bring back. Give him your life. Next thing you know, all of a sudden, he, the color comes back. And the doctor said, your heart stopped. Jesus restarted his heart. He gave him life back. All right, that's glory to God. I didn't do anything, but all I did was, and because Jesus loves us, and he doesn't want anybody to die without knowing him. Amen. All right? And this is the man's another chance. He is the God of many chances. He loves this man. And it would just give glory to God because he brought this man back from from death. And I'm, I'm, I'm just dumbfounded by it. Amen. I didn't Amen. do anything. Uh, so God. It's all God. I appreciate that, Brother Mike. I really do. We are praying for that, sister. Amen. Bless your witness to, to, to him and to many others, Mike. Awesome. So good. I want to remind the house what Jesus said. As he heals a paralytic man that's let down through the roof, he says, that you may know that I go deep into the spirit, I go deep into the heart, and I can forgive sins. Let this man be healed. These physical signs and wonders are a demonstration of what Jesus does in our hearts, and it's all awesome. He is the prince of peace. He's the prince of shalom, wholeness. He speaks to the spirit, the soul, and the body, and he brings wholeness to him, to all three of us, all three of our parts, spirit, soul, and body. I'm not schizophrenic. I'm not multi-personal disorder. <laughs> but I do have a spirit, soul, and body in Jesus' name. Last week after the message that I shared, I had a conversation with um, uh, a couple of guys. And, and they were just reminding me of the significance of a name. And uh, for those of you that don't know, in 2012, we changed our name from Faith Fellowship of Dexter to Airport Christian Fellowship. And at the time, we had a reason for that. Airport lets people know where we are. Christian, the name Christian, lets people know who we are. And fellowship lets people know what we do. Airport Christian Fellowship. But sometimes in the house over the years, and certainly outside of this house, people have come to me and said, that's a weird, weird name. 
And so the question was posed, what's in a name in this conversation that I was having with these, these gentlemen? And just some prophetic words were being released. The word airport speaks to taking off and landing repeatedly. It speaks to planes getting altitude and elevating and elevating and reaching destinations faster than you can in any other mode of transportation. It's kind of exciting to be named Airport Christian Fellowship. When you think about it, what we're starting to see in this house is people landing Fulfilling prophetic words over this house that we would be a hospital, receiving healing. Some are joining the family business. They land and they stay. The family business of healing and seeing what Jesus is doing in the region and being a part of what God's doing in this church and through this church. But some are taking off. A whole lot of them are taking off again. If you remember the picture that I showed you last week, The big circle in the middle, for those that may not be aware, is a prophetic symbol of what we received by word of the Lord in 2019 from a prophet named Charlie Sweet. He prophesied over this place that we would have an influence of 75-mile radius around our church. The center circle that you see is about where our church is. It's a whole lot bigger than our church, but that is the spot. And we influence in the spiritual world, but also in the earthly realm, we influence 75 miles around us. And we're seeing evidence of that. People are coming, taking off and landing in other places. There are several ministries that are starting to take off right now that were somehow, in some way, we had a part in the birthing of those ministries. More will come. More information will come on those. You see these circles within the big circle that we have influence over. Those circles represent not only those that are landing and taking off, but also other churches. We received a great prophetic word today from Pastor Cheryl. The unity in those who live, lift up the name of Jesus. Stop the bleeding <laughs> that so often happens in the division. And let's unite. And then you see, just as a reminder for those of us that already saw it and some of us haven't seen it, the circles on the outside, those are overlapping spheres of influence, circles of influence in other houses, other churches, all influencing this general region of the kingdom. Jesus tells us to fulfill in prayer the prophetic word that's spoken in so many Old Testament prophets. Let the earth be filled with the glory of the Lord, he says, through the prophet Isaiah. He also says the earth will be filled with the knowledge of God. For the Lord has spoken, and many other prophets, and Jesus tells us how to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is a specific vision that he has given this house, a specific way to keep praying in earnest for the kingdom of heaven to come to earth. It's super exciting. I don't think I can do it justice. But when you get a personal revelation of it, it's really good. I want to talk about Hebrews 11 and 12. I'm going to talk a little bit about Hebrews 
Go through Hebrews 11 and a little bit about Hebrews 12. Hebrews 11, for those that may not know, is a faith chapter. It's referred to by many as the Hall of Faith. We have the Football Hall of Fame. We have the Baseball Hall of Fame. This is the Hall of Faith, which in my estimation supersedes any other Hall of Fame. There's 16 people, and I'll, I'll go over those names. There's 16 people mentioned by name in this Hall of Faith that are written down to stir our faith and to cause us to grow into what God has for us, to go out and do what God wants us to do. In chapter 12, it gets into more of the application of that faith. When we're reading and we're learning and we're understanding what these heroes of faith have done, now how do we apply it? So let that be the groundwork for what we're about to see. In verse 1 of Hebrews 11, he tells us what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Say substance and evidence. Faith, as my brother Sam put it when we were teaching Hebrews in Africa, is not blind. There's elements of things that we hope for that we cannot see. There's elements of things that God has spoken that have not come to pass, but it is not blind. It is substance and it is evidence. Say substance and evidence one more time. It's substance of things hoped for. God gives us something tangible. He speaks it into the ears of our hearts. He shows us in the eyes of our hearts, or he just deposits it in our hearts in some mysterious way. He gives us a revelation of that which we should be hoping for. He gives us evidence of it, assurance of it. I was up in the balcony one evening about two years ago, two and a half years ago. I was praying, and I knew in the spirit that my English words were not going to be enough. And so I began to pray in my heavenly language. My, the Greek word is glossolalia, tongues they call it. It's a spiritual language that Paul tells us explicitly in 1 Corinthians 14, brings edification. It's encouraged. He says, I wish you all spoke with tongues and prophesied, and there's so many other gifts. But I was speaking in tongues because that was the only language I could express to the Lord that would capture the move of the Spirit that he was moving, that he was uh, stirring in me as I was praying. And I saw this picture. I saw this picture of a strong man. And I don't know if it was the literal picture, but I saw it in the spirit. It was a personal substance, a personal evidence of cancer in this region. The thing had horns, it had fire in its eyes, and it was breathing fire. I've never seen that exactly described in scripture, but that was the picture I was getting as I was centered in his word and praying in the tongues, centered on God, but that was the picture I was getting. And he began to stir and clarify what that, that evil picture was. It was cancer. And as I began to pray in tongues, I want to remind the house, it's in the Old and New Testament, that God knows every word on our mouths before we speak it. 
He doesn't tell us to stop praying, but sometimes it's appropriate to pray in the Spirit so that our minds don't get in the way. When our minds get in the way, the substance and the evidence that he's showing our hearts gets put down. We start to rationalize and reason. As I was praying in the Spirit, as I said, I see this picture, and he begins to show me what it is that he's saying. I want that strong man taken down. What's that mean, God? <laughs> Praying in tongues. I keep going, and I'm praying in a way that I've never prayed. It's coming from the inside. There's this intercessory burden that's coming and developing in me. And he starts to show me, I want to make that a part of this promised land. I start to get a picture of him coming down in this this region, becoming uh, a a cancer-free region. Some of you may not know that I've I've been diagnosed. I've dealt with cancer. My wife's been diagnosed. She's dealt with cancer. We're both cancer-free, praise the Lord. We've been healed. It's not like I'm saying this flippantly is what I'm trying to get across. This was a vision from the Lord. It was some substance and some evidence that I got a partial glimpse of, of that which he wanted to manifest in this region. It was so revelatory to me that some have said, I don't think that's God. When God gives you a personal revelation, stay in his word. His word is truth. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But don't let naysayers, don't let people that are outside of the word of God, don't let people that are outside of the rhema, the personal inspiration, this personal spoken voice that he's speaking to your heart, tell you otherwise. You go for it. As we read on in Hebrews, we see a list of people that went for it, despite what other people were saying. We first read about Abel. (laughs) Remember, These are all heroes of faith. They're all accredited by God as having faith. That means they had some substance and some evidence to go on. What was the substance and evidence that Abel had to go on to offer such a pleasing sacrifice to God? He knew. He knew that an animal's blood must be spilled because he knew that Adam and Eve had their fig leaves replaced with animal skins. By who? God himself. Abel had that revelation. He had that substance. He had that evidence. That was the only way to atone for sins. And he did it. His brother Cain did not. His brother Cain appears to have offered a sacrifice of convenience, the fruit of the ground, vegetation. That did not please God. God let Cain know that, and as I see it, what Cain did was in bitterness said, you want blood, God? There. I'm killing my brother. There's your blood. But God still had mercy on him. The point I'm trying to make is Abel could not be deterred by his brother's influence. He had a personal revelation. Cain had the same opportunity to offer the right sacrifice. He also knew of the story of Adam and Eve, his parents. 
that an animal is the, the appropriate sacrifice. What did Enoch see? What was his personal substance, his personal evidence? I don't know exactly what he saw, but I do know what he named his son. Methuselah. The longest man that ever lived. Methuselah means coming judgment, and it was understood in the oral Jewish tradition that as he named his son Methuselah, he knew that in the year he died, great judgment would come upon the earth. In the year he died, we saw the great flood. Enoch only lived to be 365 years old. Only. He died prematurely. His son lived to be 969 years old. The literal translation of the Bible, the truth of God before disease had its way to the extent that it does today. Enoch is credited as walking with God because he had faith. There's evidence and substance that he saw. He knew that God had a pending judgment on the earth because of the sin that was rampant in the earth. What did Noah have faith for? (laughs) We know the story. He built an ark. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not seen. He was divinely warned. He had evidence. He had substance. I'm trying to make this as clear as possible. God speaks to us. We're his sheep. He, 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 He makes his voice so clear to us. So oftentimes, though, we're turning our ears to other voices. We're turning the eyes of our hearts to other viewings. We're opening up our hearts to other things to satisfy. But his sheep know his voice. He gives evidence. He gives substance. I love how the writer of Acts, Luke, puts it. Faith through Jesus brings the gift, brings the healing. It's not faith that we come up with on our own. It's the faithfulness that is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Noah was divinely warned. He had a revelation. No matter what people said, he pursued that which God gave him to do. He built the ark. Abraham. The scripture tells us he had a great revelation. He saw in a limited capacity, but he saw God. God spoke to him. God showed him night visions and day visions. Your ancestors will be as the stars of the sky, a night vision. They'll be as the sand in multitude and the seashore, day vision. He had that revelation, and though he did not have a child until he was advanced in years, he still believed God would come through. He had that faith. Let that be an inspiration to us. Sarah, she also saw God. Remember what she did? She laughed. The term Yahweh is used for her encounter. She had an encounter with the Lord. Genesis chapter 18. Yes, you did laugh. She tried to deny it. Yes, you did laugh, Sarah. And God brought forth amazing things. Are you with me? That's not good enough. Are you with me? Come on. We need substance and evidence. And here's where I'm going with this. This house is supposed to grow. 
it's super exciting to see taking off and landing in this place. The airport in our name. To see the picture on the screen and and know that we have influence in this region. But it is going to cost us something. The enemy does not give up territory that easily. Yes, Jesus has authority over all things. Him in us rises above the situation. Greater is him who is in us than he who is in the world. Some of us are hesitant to go into a building project that could require some length of time. I'm with you. (laughs) It took us a long time to build this building. But what if it happens? I got one okay. (laughs) I want to remind us, we see in part and we know in part. We see in a mirror dimly. That word dimly is stemmed from the Greek word enigma. We know what that means. It's mysterious. As much as we think we see, we see a limited capacity. So let's say our prayers are answered, and this is a fast build. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. There's still something he's going to want us to do. There's still some ground he's going to want us to take, some advancement he's going to want us to produce that's going to require faith. We're still going to be challenged. We're still going to be tested. We're still going to be resisted. Where's the moxie? Where's the metal in our hearts? Is it centered in Jesus Christ? It better be. Those of us that have been here for some time have seen people land and go. And then they didn't take off in a very happy way. There was sometimes division. Sometimes our fault, those of us that stayed. Nobody's blameless. There's things that happen. We're going to be tested. Hear this, house. Hear this. Jesus gives us two simple commandments based in the First Testament. Love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and love our neighbors as ourselves. Regardless, regardless of the testing, let's stay there. In our weakness, his strength is made perfect. His grace is sufficient through all things. That's where we need to stay, loving God and loving people. It's going to be tested. This is a word. This is a word that has prophetic unction in it. It's so awesome to hear the miracles, to see the miracles. It's so encouraging. But what happens? I'm going to skip forward. There's a bunch of people that we can go through. (laughs) Look at the list. What happens when we get to the end of chapter 11 of Hebrews? Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. They became afflicted and tormented. That's the word of God. And I'm encouraging the house today. (laughs) I'm glad you got that because I meant that facetiously. 
Jesus promised us, and sometimes we just get caught up in our earthly pursuits, in our physical ears, our natural thinking, our, what we're seeing with our eyes, and we're so excited when a breakthrough happens in an earthly, natural way. And it is God because he is supernatural. He is over all things. But what the author of Hebrews is reminding the Jewish believers who are struggling, who are in the midst of persecution, who are tempted to revert and default to their old ways, the Mosaic Covenant. We all have default settings. It's called original sin. And when push comes to shove, there can be temptations to revert back to our old ways. It can look like picking up the bottle again, an old habit. It can look like, oh, that judgment that I let go of 10 years ago, all of a sudden now I do not like my brother, I do not like my sister anymore. Things get uncomfortable, and Jesus tells us these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. It's just a reminding word to the house. It's a preparation word to the house. Yes, there's preparation in what we're doing now in our workplaces, to Pastor Cheryl shared, to, to prepare us for that which God has called us to do. Another facet of that preparation is for us to hear the word of God, for it to go deep into our hearts and for us to understand. By understand, I mean have revelation to take it in as substance and evidence so that when I go forward, when I break through in Jesus' name, I will be fulfilling what God had for me. I'm reminding the house of a lot today. I want to remind the house that there are no surprises to God. Everything we go through, everything we will go through, everything we have been through, there's not a single surprise to God. He has perfect foreknowledge. And he promises us he'll never leave us or forsake us. He will not leave us orphans. He will come to us. He is with us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Super exciting, the things that God's going to do in this region. I'm just going to skip forward here. Let me quickly, give me, give me a few more minutes, and I'll do my best to honor a few more minutes. We read the beginning of chapter 12 of Hebrews, and it gives us the nitty-gritty of how we're supposed to walk out our faith when we're tested. Therefore, reflecting on all of those heroes of faith and the lessons we just learned about faith, the testimonies we just learned in faith. Since we, are so, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, all those heroes of faith, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The word the is intentional. It's a definite article referring to a specific sin. Now, I have generalized this text in the past as, in, as including all kinds of sin. Let us lay, lay aside every sin that so easily ensnares us. 
That certainly applies. We can kind of use this text for that. It's elsewhere in the scripture. Jesus died for all sins. Amen? But the context of Hebrews, I want, I just, let this be a lesson for me. It was a lesson for me. Let this be a lesson for the house. The the context of Hebrews is speaking to a specific sin. It's the sin of unbelief. It's all through the text. In chapter 3, verse 19, he says, So we see, reflecting on those under the old law, the old covenant, so we see that they could not enter into the promised land. And he says, because of unbelief. (laughs) Mic drop. That's a word. There's a lot of words here. You're getting a lot today. By the grace of God, hopefully you can soak it in. I'm glad it's recorded. There's a specific sin that he wants us to lay aside. It's unbelief. Where voices, sometimes human, sometimes spiritual, are coming against what God wants us to do, you need to have substance, you need to have revelation, you need to have evidence, you need to have faith that God gives you. It's an excellent prayer to pray over this prodigal box and to pray over this house and to pray over people all around, Christians and non-Christians alike. God, give them your revelation, the revelation that you want for them. Are you getting what I'm saying? I can't tell by your faces. I hope so. He goes, look unto Jesus. I've been three minutes. I'm going to take two more. He says, look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He's telling us to look unto Jesus and look unto him alone. Don't look other places. Churches that fail in the mission that God has given them, not a mission, man's man's missions fail all the time. Man's strategies fail all the time. But churches that fail in the mission that God has given them fail because they don't continue looking unto Jesus. Sometimes we start looking at each other. Let the word of God speak. It's inspired of God. It's profitable for reproof, for correction, for instruction. Paul tells Timothy in his second epistle to him. There is some reproof in this message. There is some admonition. There's also heavy, heavy love and encouragement in this message. We will be a better people. We will be blessed as we pursue the things of God. As we break through. I'm going to show you one last verse. This is from Hebrews 5. Though he was a son... Yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. He was truly God and truly man. Philippians 2 says he was equal with God and he came in appearance as a man. He was truly God and truly man. That ought to get us standing on our feet. And I'm not condemning Because Jesus took on flesh. Something he had not done before. He learned obedience. Josh, are you saying that Jesus learned something? I thought he was perfect. He 
He was in every way. He gave a perfect demonstration of what it's like, how we are supposed to be. Learning obedience through our suffering. Ah, oh, golly. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not seeing the evidence and the substance in your faces, but I am glad that I have the substance and evidence in my heart. This is a word for this house. This is a word for this house. Everybody who's here, if you're listening online, it's for you too. Anybody who will listen to this in the future. This is a preparation word. Nations rise and nations fall. Egypt rose and Egypt fell. Rome rose and Rome fell. The United States of America is an earthly kingdom. Jesus reminds us to seek first the kingdom of God. We're seeing evidence of this nation falling. We're going to be shaken. We need to be reminded by the Holy Spirit of what he goes on to say in Hebrews 12. He chastens those he loves. He shakes that which can be shaken. I don't know how long we'll be able to, if we build another building, I don't know how long we'll be able to partake in that building together. I am not prophesying doom and gloom. The Lord has given me a a vision, and I believe many in this house, that this is a promised land. But getting there, sweat, blood, and tears. We have as an example our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ, who learned obedience through suffering. And just as the Father, it says, read on in Hebrews 12, it says, just as the Father chastened Jesus, he chastens us because he loves us. A loving Father will not leave us in the destitute, limited states that we're in. A loving Father will pursue us. As you stand to your feet, I'm just going to give you one more illustration. This is a difficult message for me to preach. Born and bred charismatic. Can I just tell you that I have an understanding that our God is always good. James tells us in chapter 1, there is no shadow of turning in him. There's no variation in his goodness. Every good gift comes from him. And so when I pray for people, I expect healing. I expect deliverance. I expect Jesus to show up. That's how he taught us to pray. But there's also this gift in the spirit called discerning of spirits. A strong gift of discernment. Sometimes I believe I have prayed for people and be- when they have not been healed. Not every time. But sometimes it's because God is chastening them. There's something more he's after that's beyond my my purview. A young preacher that I knew sat down at the table with my parents and me and my sisters. He was having a conversation with my parents, and he was making this case that Jesus was wealthy. And I'm thinking to myself as a young, young lad, 
Where does it say that in Scripture? <laughs> my, I listened as my dad discussed with him. And it comes out very evidently that he is pursuing wealth. There is a love of money in him. I'm not saying that there's anything I'm about to say. I'm not saying that money in and of itself is wrong. But I'll remind the house of yet another truth. Charles Wesley summed it up greatly. Perfectly. When money, Charles says this, when money finds its way into my hands, I find a way to get rid of it quickly, lest it find its way into my heart. Let that be the testimony of this house, just funneling God's assets wherever he wants them. I thank God that it is, and it's going to increase. This, man became, this young man became, began to get angry, raised his voice. I wasn't used to that in our house. Well, <laughs> not from anyone but family members. Those of, us, those of you that don't know us, we had a model, only the strong survive. <clears throat> but he began to raise his voice in arguing. I wasn't used to that open argument in, in our house from someone else. He went on to found a church. The church grew. He ended up with money problems, embezzling, and the church fell apart, and many people were hurt. It was embarrassing to him. The chastening of the Lord was upon him. Because he chastens those he loves. No matter how depraved the things that we've done, God still loves us. He proved it on the cross. He starts another church. A similar thing happens. Not responding to the chastening of the Lord. I share that story in closing for this reason. I am convinced that our God is all good all the time. He's omnibenevolent. Amen? Amen. In his goodness, he will chasten us as long as we need to be chastened. When I was a child, I stole a matchbox car from Mary Brannick. Some of you know who she is. My father and my mother chastened me, and I took that matchbox car, and I was embarrassed to give it back to her, but I learned my lesson I should not steal. That was hard to go through that. It was a hard thing to endure. There were other things that took me a long time to learn. For instance, love for my sisters as myself. That took some years. But as soon as I did, the chastening of the Lord ceased. The peace in all respects, spirit, soul, and body was my portion. God is good all the time. As ministers, <laughs> thank you, Holy Spirit. When Jesus tells us to go be disciples, he uses the word matachuo, go make disciples. That word simultaneously means, it's, 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 the clear, it's the clear indication of the text. Don't confuse me. In Matthew 28, the Great Commission, go make disciples. That's what he wants us to do. But simultaneously, he's speaking to the other aspect of what that Greek word means. Be a disciple. Mathetuo means both. We are being chastened as we minister. 
It's simultaneous. Why is that relevant, Josh, as you close? As I close. As I close. Why is that relevant? It's relevant because oftentimes we like to have our ducks in a row before we're stepping out into the ministries that we have. For this house to be successful, we each individually have to receive our chastening. Be a disciple. Be a son of God. A daughter of God. But also step into the ministry that God has called us to step into. In Jesus' name, we thank you that you died on the cross for us. We take our communion elements right now reverently, but in the fastest ever communion that we've ever done. (laughs) In Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for your body broken for us. You said, do this, and every time we do, we remember that your body was broken. Because you took on flesh, because your body was broken, you made a way for our sins to be covered, for us to be redeemed. We are reverent before you. We repent of everything that's coming to our minds even in these closing seconds. We receive your forgiveness. And as we partake, we invite the revelation of your body broken. Let it be, Jesus. You took the cup and you said it was the new covenant of your blood. We thank you that by your stripes, blood oozed out. And by that stripes and by the blood that oozed out, we are healed. Sorrows and afflictions. Things that grieve the heart and things that afflict our bodies. As we partake, we remember that you are Yahweh Rapha, Yahweh Shalom, Yahweh Sikanu, the Lord our righteousness, and the Lord Nisi, Yahweh Nisi, the Lord our war cry, the Lord who is present, Yahweh Shema, the Lord who sees, El Roi, You are Lord, and we say, hallowed be your name, Father in heaven. And we thank you, Jesus, for your blood spilled for us. And we commune with each other and commune with you in perfect love, in Jesus' name. Praise God. Bless you, saints of God. If you would like prayer for anything, I want you to come forward, but... I believe there's a stirring for fresh revelation, fresh fresh faith from Jesus, for you to get some evidence and substance from Jesus himself. So come forward if you'd like prayer.